0: Great job, Riley. Sweet. Let me get set up here. Sweet. Do you guys ever try to do something and you just fail at it, and it just seems like it's not working out? Um, you know, things just aren't things just aren't going well, and it just kind of starts falling apart. Um, you know, that was actually my experience trying to come up with an illustration to start my message with tonight. So, what I'm sharing with you right now is the result of uh, my frustrations and failures. Um, <laughs> you know, that was, that, was, that was my experience. You know, on Tuesday, I, I was writing this message and, and God, me, God was teaching me some things in the, in the Bible. And I was toying around with all these different stories and experiences I had. Just, just think of something, what, what can I start with that'll connect to, to the Bible passage I'm going to talk about? And none of them were really clicked. And, and I actually spent like a really long time doing this. You know, at one point, I thought I was going to tell a story of my friend, Zach, from high school. And I, like, fell down a hole on his Facebook page. I'm like, there's something in his life that will work for this. And I realized, I was like, it just doesn't work. And then, and then I was like, oh, and then I remember this other story from my other good friend in high school, Jack. And I was like, oh, this is the one. This totally works. I wrote the whole story down. I, like, spent all this time on it. And I thought it was going to be great. And so then, you know, as, as a last step, I decided to get my wife's advice on it. So I tell, I tell the story to, to Kayla, and she didn't get it at all. She was like, she was like that does not connect to the Bible passage in the way that you think it does. And I was like, I in that moment, I've been wearing this for a long time, and I was pretty fragile, and I was frustrated. I was upset with Kayla. I was upset with myself because I'm going to find anything good. And all of a sudden, I just kind of started to feel not so great about everything. You know that moment, like, when... I don't know, maybe you get one bad grade, and you feel like you're going to fail the whole class, or, like, you have one bad day at work, and you feel like your boss is going to hate you forever. Um, You know, like, the little things that I'm normally thankful for and I enjoy all of a sudden just kind of started sucking. Like, I was like, man, this talk is the worst. I don't want to speak at crew." I was like, man, this apartment sucks. Like, I wish I lived in a different place. (laughs) You know, and everything just goes downhill fast. We do this. We do this in our minds, and I think that we can all relate to this on some level, right? Um... And I I think that the sequence of events is actually very normal, and even to a deeper level, especially for us, young people in the United States today. Uh, The Center for Disease Control conducted a national health survey in 2020 that found young adults aged 18 to 29 the most likely age group to be depressed, with more than 20% of responders saying that they don't just experience feelings of sadness, emptiness, and irritability, But on top of that, they also experience subsequent mental and physical changes that make it difficult to function and perform daily life tasks. You know, and I think that's where my frustrations that I have with this talk start kind of feeling like that all the time. You know, and it's not just depression that thwarts our joy and and well-being. You know, when I was frustrated with this talk because I couldn't think of a good illustration, I noticed that I was becoming less and less grateful for the things around me. I I was more and more irritable, and ultimately... I felt a lot farther away from God than I had a few hours earlier when I was reading the Bible and God was teaching me things to share with you tonight. And I, and I think in our lives, as we become frustrated with, with just different struggles the different things that we run into, we just find ourselves not living up to what God desires for us. We're going to read a passage in the Bible tonight where we, it says that God's desire for us is that we're joyful all the time, that we pray all the time, and that we're thankful no matter what, no matter what circumstances we run into. And this is really, really hard, and we so often fail, Um, but the story doesn't end there. My hope is that by the end of my talk tonight, every person here will understand that though we fail to live out in love what God has called us to, God has made a way for us to be sanctified by the Holy Spirit through Jesus' finished work on the cross for the glory of God and for our ultimate joy and satisfaction so that we can enjoy him even in the little moments where everything falls apart. So um, let's pray to get started. Sweet God, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to come here and share your word. Lord, I just pray that you would open our hearts and our minds, God, to, to hear your will and your desires for us tonight. Lord, would you empower us, God, that even though we fail, Lord, would we trust you, um, this Holy Spirit, to do through us what you desire for us, God. Would, would we fall more in love with you and enjoy you in every moment, God, and would we just be sure of who you've made us to be? you name me pray, Amen. So the last month or so, the last month or so, we've been in this series called "In the Waiting," living with eternity in view. And uh, I, sorry, I when I see stuff like that, I feel like you have to say it the way it's written on the screen. Uh, just to add some depth. Um, but yeah, I think this series been has been really cool. Um, thinking about how we're in this really unique time now, um, where Jesus has already come, He's died and rose again, and, and He's coming again. to bring bring his eternal kingdom, his rule and reign. And we live in this weird in-between where we're waiting for his second coming. And it's really a specific, special time in history. And um, I think that this time is really cool because for those of us in this room who have trusted in Christ to completely cover, cover our sinfulness, we can be seen as totally new and spotless in God. But at the same time, we're being worked on by God so that our outward actions resemble what's already true of us in Christ, that we're completely clean. Um, and we're completely free from our sins. See, in what Christ has already done in his death and resurrection, those who have trusted in him are declared clean and justified. But because we still live in sin, the Holy Spirit's working on us uh, to be made clean and to live out in love what is true of us through Christ. And and that is the beauty of this this waiting period, and and that's what we're going to dive into tonight. Um, as, As Paul David Tripp says, waiting is a tool of God's sanctifying grace. He uses waiting to transform us, to change us, to restore us, to reconcile us, to grow us, and to mature us. And so as we dive into what God's will is for us tonight, know that if you've already trusted in Christ as your Savior and Lord, you are already clean and justified. But God, in his grace, continues to work on you and sanctify you to prepare you for his second coming in an eternity of being with him forever. And so let's dive into our process that we're to uh, be in tonight. We're going to be in First Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 16. Um, I forgot to look at what page' it's on, so best of luck. Um, while you turn there, uh, I'd love to look, give a little bit of context uh, here. Uh, Paul, the guy who's writing this uh, this book of the Bible is actually a letter he's writing to a group of, of followers of Jesus, a church that he started uh, in a city called Thessalonica. I'm a huge geography nerd, and so something I think is really cool about Thessalonica is that it still exists today as a major city in Greece called Thessaloniki. Um, not a lot of cities in the Bible. Not a lot of cities in the Bible are still around today, but this one is. Um, yeah, and in this particular circumstance, uh, chapter five, verse sixteen, Paul is writing to this church about what it looks like to follow Jesus, and he's charging them to live holy lives. And in the specific part we're going to jump in, we're actually in the middle of like a whole paragraph. Of different practical and direct instructions that Paul is giving the Thessalonians. And so I think that's important to understand here that he's talked about a lot of different things in the book of 1 Thessalonians. But at this point in the letter, he's like telling them what to do. He's giving them very clear instructions. And he's giving them, he's telling them what God's will is for them and how they should live their lives in accordance with God's will. So let's dive in, starting in verse 16, reading through verse 18. Paul says to the Thessalonians: Rejoice always, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So here Paul gives a description of what God's will is, and he tells the Thessalonians to do what God's will is. Those three things, right? Rejoice, pray, and be thankful all the time. And I just want to stop for a second. This is a little bit of a side note, but I think that this is kind of crazy. So many people live their lives, um, you know, not, not making any big decisions, um, unsure of what to do because they don't know what God's will for their life is. And right here in the Bible, it says, this is the will of God. (laughs) And, um, you know, I think that God probably, you know, he definitely desires things um, more for us than exactly what he's laid out in these verses where he says um, what his will is. But if you're ever ever in a spot where you feel like you didn't know what to do because you didn't know what God's will is, start with passages like this where it says, this is God's will. (laughs) Because you can be absolutely sure of what God's will is for you, at least in these things. Um, And so kind of tack onto that we're actually gonna look at another verse just in the chapter before, chapter four, verse three, um, where Paul also says something else that's God's will. And I think that it's gonna tie in really well tonight. Uh, in First Thessalonians chapter four, verse three, it says, "'This is the will of God, your sanctification.'" So that we can, know, we can know that this is God's will for us too. And so everything that's on the screen right now, this is what God desires for us. You know, and I think right here is where it'd be really easy to go wrong. Right here, I could spend the rest of my talk talking about what does it mean to do these things? If this is what God desires for us, how do we rejoice all the time? How do we pray all the time? What does it look like? We'll write down our practical steps, and we'll just try really hard. And that's what my friend Nick likes to call shitting on ourselves. When we say, the Bible says you should do this, you should do that, you're just shitting on yourself. And I don't think there's anything good about getting shitted on. And so... (laughs) You know, I mean, I think there's value, there's a lot of value to seeing that it says in the Bible, you should do this, you should do that. But then just going to yourself and others and saying, we should do this, we should do that, let's just do it, shitting on yourself. <laughs> and the reason that's bad is because it's not the whole story. Anytime you read something in the Bible that says, do this or do that, you should be this or be that, before you go shitting on yourself, I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I am nowhere near as composed as my friend Nick when he says that. Um, I want you to stop, and I want you to consider how the gospel relates to those commands or those shoulds in the Bible. Allow those directions, where it says you should do this, you should do that, to reveal your own brokenness and your need for Christ's salvation and the Holy Spirit's guidance. You know, there's a a lot of religions in the world that are full full of do's and don'ts. And it would be a huge mistake if all we got from reading passages like this Um, is a list of things that Christians do and don't do, the way that Christians are and Christians aren't. I want us tonight uh, to see our need for God in Scripture and get to know him as our strength by relying on him to empower us to do what he commands. And so let's keep reading down in chapter 5, verse 23. There it says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in verses 16 through 18, at the top of the screen here, it says that God's will is for us. Well, Paul is saying that God's will is for the Thessalonians, and by extension, us. God's will is that we would rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in every circumstance. And then in the next passage, it says that God's will is that we're sanctified. And here, at the end of Paul's letter, Paul prays that God would do these things. He prays that God would sanctify the Thessalonians. So track with me here. I think that that this is really important. Paul is saying what God's will is for us to do. He's saying this is what God wants you to do. And then he asks God to do those things. And I think that this is critical. He is saying that to the Thessalonians, and by extension to us, that Paul doesn't expect us to do God's will. He expects us instead to trust in God to empower us to do what he desires, to make us the kind of people who live out his will. So God desires for us to do these things, and God in his grace tells us that he's the one who's going to do these things through us. And so, so that's what, that's what we're really going to talk about tonight, is this concept of God desires things for us, and what does it look like for us to trust God to do those things through us? And um, yes, so we're going to start by just looking at how we fail to do what God desires. And, um, We see in verse 16, it says God's will is that we rejoice all the time. And and do we do that? Absolutely not. As we mentioned earlier, uh, in in our specific demographic, we're specifically prone to be depressed and sad and anxious. And so it's easy to see that that we need God's help um, here. We fail to do this on our own. So what else does it say that God's will for us is? In verse 17, Paul says it's God's will that we would pray continually. And do we do that? No. Not only are young people across the developed world less and less likely to connect with God in a personal way, even among devoted Christians in the USA, there is what some scholars call an epidemic of prayerlessness going on right now, where even people who know God personally and want to serve him, even those of us who work in ministry, are rarely spending time in prayer and are missing out on talking with our creator moment by moment. Something that actually the global church says that Christians in the United States are really bad at prayer, specifically us. And and I think everybody fails, but we're at the worst. And so we really need God's help to live out what he desires here, too. So the last thing Paul lists in that verse is that God's will is for us to think is to give thanks in all circumstances. And oh man, we fail at this, too. Well, God has created everything and everyone, so everything that we have, and everything we experience is a gift from God, we so rarely see our lives as worthy of gratitude. Just like when I was writing this talk, one struggle coming up with an illustration made me less grateful for literally everything in my life, made me less grateful for my relationship with God, less less grateful for my wife, the opportunity to preach, you know, sunny day, you name it. I just started throwing those things out the window and taking everything for granted. You know, and I, I don't know about you guys, I feel like I do this a lot. You know, every new toy I get, or a fun experience I have, I'm so thankful for, but it quickly subsides. And, you know, and I think even uh, as a a further example, I, I feel like I did this again this week, where on Saturday night, we had our crew fellowship dinner, and it was just awesome. It was so encouraging, it was so sweet, and I just walked away just praising God, and I was like, I'm so thankful to be a part of what God's doing here. And then it comes to, like, Tuesday, and I'm working on my talk, and I'm like, I hate my job, why did I sign up for this, you know, and I'm like, oh my goodness, no, I don't but I was like, man, this is, this is no good, and all of a sudden, all these things that I was praising God and thanking Him to be a part of, like, so quickly, I was just tossing those things out the window in my thoughts, and, and to be sure, I am really thankful <laughs> that God has called me here, um, but, but that's just the point, is that even when we're really thankful for things, it's so easy to just throw those things out, and, and so really, the point is that we need God's help here, too. And so as we look at these three verses uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we see that there are a lot of ways that we fail to live up to what God desires for us in these areas. And so what I want to dive into tonight is how through the gospel, God empowers us to do these things for his glory as we await his return. So I'm going to focus on two ways, just two points. Two ways that through the Holy Spirit, God sanctifies us. And those two ways are going to be, number one, that God sanctifies us by reminding us of his justification— and empowering us to rejoice all the time. And number two, by satisfying us in his presence and giving us eternal vision. And so, let's take another look at verse 16. Rejoice always. God wants us to be joyful and enjoy life as we await his return. But as we have already discussed, we're not very good at this, especially in hard circumstances, um, just different troubles that we walk through in our life. So the question is, how can we meaningfully trust God to empower us to rejoice all the time, no matter what we may face? Remember, don't shut on ourselves. Trust God to do it through us. And I think that the answer to this question is it all starts with reminding ourselves of the gospel. Or for those of you who, in this room who have never been trusted in Christ as your Savior and Lord, by trusting the good news for the very first time. Let's start by remembering the gospel, what that means for us. And And so, I'm just going to share a little bit. The the gospel of Jesus Christ says that though we are sinful and we go our own way apart from God, we just talked about all these different ways that we fail to do what he desires, though that leaves us depressed, saddened, and dissatisfied, God still cares for us and he loves us. And he loves us enough that he would take on the penalty for our waywardness and our sinfulness. He dies on the cross and he rises again. And because he is risen after he's borne all of our sins, We can rightly and justly receive what God has done for us on the cross and be totally forgiven and justified. And here is where I think that intersects with this command to rejoice that we are looking at tonight. I believe that the true underlying reason that we're not rejoicing all the time, especially for those of us who have trusted in Christ, is because we we don't really believe that we're justified by the gospel. And so justification is this big Christian word, and for some of you, it's a familiar word, and for, for some of you, like me for a long time, when you hear words like that, you just tune them out because you're like another christian buzzword. But I want to I talk about what justification means because not only do I think it's a cool word, I think it's absolutely critical to understanding who you are in Christ, and I think it's a cornerstone to embracing the joy available to you in the Christian life. Um, so justification simply means to be, cl- to be declared clean and holy— It's different from forgiveness. Forgiveness is where you're pardoned from your wrongdoing, and it's different from sanctification, which is the ongoing process of the Holy Spirit working on us and empowering us to live out our holiness. Justification is where God looks at us and he says, because of what Jesus has done, I don't just forgive you, I declare you clean from now until eternity. Um, one One of my favorite little things that I remember in my mind is that justification means it's just as if you've never sinned. And just as if kind of sounds like justification, so that's how I remember it. But that's just so true. God is saying, it's just as if you've never sinned. Uh, in Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-four, it says that God remembers our sinfulness no more. The all-knowing God of the universe chooses not to remember our sinfulness. It's just as if you've never sinned, if you've trusted in Christ as your Savior. He sees us as new, clean, holy people, his people. And yet, so often we forget this. Though God declares us clean and holy, we mope about, looking only to our sin and not to our Savior, getting down on ourselves, feeling lonely and sad. And I think that we often totally forget to enjoy the gifts of the gospel, including being made right before God and justified. And I think it's a lot like um, when my friend got married. He moved to a, a new apartment with his wife on the other side of town and he had a new home. He moved in with his wife. He was all jazzed about it, but also all, all the time he'd be driving home from work, and he would forget where he lived, and he would go home to his old house, and he'd be driving home to his old house, and he'd be like getting there. He'd get there, like almost there, and he realized like, crap, I don't live here anymore. This is where I live. Like, I have a better life, and I have a wife, and I, I'm missing out on that, and um, not, okay, sorry. It's not better to be married than to be single. Just throw that in there. But He had to realize this, and I think that that we often do this in, in the Christian life. God says to us, it's just as if you've never sinned. I give you a new identity, a new home, a new address. Yet we keep going back to who we used to be. We get in our car after school or after work, and we drive home to who we used to be. We think that all of the sinfulness that we used to identify with still defines us. And friends, I want to remind you that you don't live there anymore. You have a new address. You've been justified in Christ. How easy it is for us to get distracted by the things around us and get down on life, feeling depressed and forgetting our justification. But friends, let's open our eyes and realize that we have the key to everlasting joy in the gospel, and we have reason to rejoice in our new identities all the time, no matter what we're facing. For every one look at you take your, at your sinfulness, I want you to take ten looks at Jesus. You screw up. Or you face a hard circumstance, look at it once, take ten looks at the finished work of Jesus on the cross, and remember who you are. I want to ask you to stop driving home to your old address. Stop going back to your old sinful ways. God has given you a new home, and it's time to start living in it. And part of living in your new home with God is just that, that you get to make a new life with Him, the very person that you were created to enjoy. And so, so that brings us to point number two tonight. That God sanctifies us by satisfying us in his presence. As, as we wait to be joined with him forever. So verse 17 says, pray continually. And in some translations, it says, pray without ceasing. Quite a high standard to pray not just a lot, but all the time without ever stopping. And as Paul commands us here to pray all the time, we are all aware that we fail at this. We don't spend time with God all the time, and, and we're certainly not praying every moment without stopping. And while this kind of might seem like an impossible task, I think it's really important to hear, to think about what Paul means by prayer. And so so I want everybody here to stop, and I'm going to be silent for a few seconds, and I want you to just picture in your mind what you think of when you think of the word prayer. What images come to mind? So what, do you, what are you thinking about? Maybe bowing your head and closing your eyes in church, um, just like Actually, we have probably a few times tonight for for most of you. Maybe a picture of somebody kneeling beside their bed at night, um, holding hands with their family around a dinner table, crying out to God alone in your car. You know, I think there's a lot of truly valid perceptions of, of these external expressions of prayer that we often think about. You know, God definitely hears our prayers before meals and at church and beside the bed. But friends, I really think that that's just scratching the surface of what it means to pray without ceasing. To pray, to pray all the time in every moment means not just these outward expressions, but rather a continual state of mind that God is included in. Where you talk with God all day long in your heart and in your mind, and you are present with him as he is present with you. And I think that this ongoing presence of God, just inviting him in, is really what satisfies us. The moments where we let him into every thought, you know, every, every little moment in our heart, he's there. I think that's where God teaches us how to delight in him and enjoy his presence. It's where he works on us and transforms us. You know, and, and I, think, you know, I think that this is key because the point of this series is that we're living with eternity in view. And so I, I want us to think about, you know, it's true. The Bible says that one day we're all going to come face to face with God. And for those of you who have trusted in Christ, this is going to be an unimaginably sweet moment where you meet the being you were created for, the God you were created to know intimately. It's going to be like soulmates, but so much better. And as we await, and as we await this time, as, as we journey here on earth, I, I think that one of the primary ways that God works on us is by teaching us to enjoy his presence and delight in being with him, as we, as we will for eternity. And and when I think about this, I often think about uh, my wife, Kayla, and I think about when we were engaged. Uh, when Kayla and I got engaged, right, we were having a, a, a fun dating relationship, we were like, we want to get married, so I proposed, it was really cool, we went to the Grand Canyon, it was, it was fun, I surprised her. We, we got engaged, we were all excited to get married, and so we started hanging out more, just kind of preparing to deepen our relationship and spend more time together, just thinking about this day when we would get married, and we would be joined, and we would like be so much closer and so much more intimate than we ever had before, Right? But I want to think, what if after I proposed to Kayla, I said, all right, well, it's really, I'm excited to get married, but I only want to hang out, like, if there's other people in the room. So we can only hang out in, like, big group gatherings, um, or, 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 and we can only hang out for, like, one to two hours a week. Um, yeah, I, I just, I just don't want to spend that much time with you. I know we're going to spend a lot of time when we get married, so I just want to spend a little time with you. Yeah, and I think that would, that would probably be really, really damaging to our relationship that would have sucked. <laughs> Wedding day would have come around, Caleb would have been like, does he even like me anymore? And um, friends, I think that that sounds preposterous, but, but in a lot of ways, it's kind of what we do to God. And, um, you know, in a way, we're engaged to God. And, and I actually think that that's totally true. Jesus has come the first time. We're talking about this unique period of time that we live in. Jesus came the first time. He died. He rose again. He made a way for us to be fully, you know, fully, like we talked about, Clean. And promise to be with him forever. And we're awaiting the end of our age when, when God's reign is fully accomplished and where we enter into a marriage relationship with him forever. And, and so, in a lot of ways, we're truly engaged to God. And wouldn't it be weird if while you're engaged to God, you only spend time with him when there's other people around in a big group gathering? Where you say, God, I know we're going to get married someday, but I only, I only want to hang out a couple hours a week. And I think that that should sound preposterous to you, because it is. And so when we talk about praying without ceasing tonight, I want us to think about, you know, the moment when you're going to face God. And so I brought this rope here, um, because a long time ago, a friend of mine showed me a video that totally changed my life. And so I'm going to steal a really cool illustration. Well, actually, all the illustrations I've used tonight, I've stolen from a friend of mine or from this guy. Um. (laughs) 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 But But I think this illustration is really helpful. And so if you look at this rope here, it ends at the end of the stage, but I want you to pretend that it doesn't. I want you to pretend that this rope goes on through the parking lot, through the field, down Woodman for a while, and literally on forever. Like forever, all the way around the earth, just keeps on going. And I think that this rope represents a timeline of your existence. And to be, to be clear, your existence has went, yeah, I mean, not your existence, but time has went forever in this direction, too. You just weren't around yet. But from the moment you're born, you exist forever. And you see this little black part of the rope right here? This tiny little duct tape part? This is going on forever. It's pretty small. This represents your time on earth, the time in the present age we're in now, before God, before Jesus returns, before you die and meet him. And guys, if you're thinking about being engaged to God, you're thinking about this, this concept of praying without ceasing, I think that it all comes down to this moment right here. And I, I wish I didn't choose black tape. I hope you guys can see this. Um, but there's this moment, right? The tape ends. If you can't see a picture, the tape ends right here. And um, there's this moment where, where the tape ends and you're going to come face to face with God. And so when you're thinking about what's going through your mind, right? Throughout the day, you're thinking about all the different things that drive you. What, you know, what consumes your thoughts? Are you thinking about the, the career you're going into? you thinking about the money you're going to make? You're thinking about future spouse, the house you're going to live in? Are you thinking about how much you love your family? Uh, for me, you know, I feel like something I get caught in a lot is just thinking about cheesy hobbies. Like, I, when I said I was a geography guy, like, I waste so much time just thinking about maps and weird places. And um, it's true. Like, our hobbies, these things that are good, right, they become ultimate things, and we spend so much time thinking about them. And what I just really want to think about, guys, is... Uh, Kind of what what Zach shared with that song earlier, right? He says, I count all these things a loss for the surpassing worth of knowing God. Because at this moment right here where the rope ends, you're going to meet God. There's going to be a wedding. And for all of this, you're going to be with him. You're going to get to know him. And so I just want to invite you guys, when you think about what you're thinking about, think about your thoughts, spend this time in the black getting to know the God you're going to know and enjoy for all of this. Don't spend all your time thinking about and pursuing things that are going to end right here. It'd be, pretty, it'd be pretty sad if you just hung out with God an hour or two a week, you only talked to him in big group gatherings, and you invested all your time and all your thoughts into all these things that ended right here. Friends, I don't want you to be disappointed when you meet God. I want you to start enjoying the God who's going to satisfy you for all of this, forever. And so, I want, I want this to sink in. I want the concept of, of living with eternity in view, thinking about being engaged to God to sink in, because I think that's what Paul is talking about when he says praying without ceasing. It's not just forcing yourself to talk to God all the time. It's inviting your husband and your Savior into your thoughts, moment by moment, so that you can get to know him and love him, so that the moment when you die and you go into the end of the rope that lasts forever, you already know him pretty well. You're jazzed, you're hyped, because you can't wait to get to spend forever with him. So let's together take simple steps in our thoughts to slow down throughout our day and invite God into our hearts and our minds. If you say that God is Lord of your life, let him be Lord of your mind and of your thoughts. Let God be with you in every moment and satisfy you as you were created for. And as you delight in him, you'll find yourself communing with him more and more. Praying continually as Paul commands. (laughs) Investing in a relationship that will last for eternity. And so now that we've talked a little bit about verses 16 and 17, that God is working on us by reminding us of his justification, right? Saying, don't go back to your old house. It's just as if you've never sinned. And and also that God is working on us by satisfying us in his steadfast love um, and, and walking in communion with him. I want to talk about what kind of people that makes us. So I want to close by explaining that as we realize our justification and clean standing before God because of Jesus, and as we learn to invite God in and prepare to enjoy Him forever, the Holy Spirit will bear His fruit through us. And the way that we see life will be transformed, not just with gospel vision and seeing our justification, and not just with eternal vision, seeing the rope, but also with eyes of gratitude and uh, thankful vision. And um, verse eighteen says that, that God desires that we might give thanks in all circumstances, not the easy ones. And so, as we're inviting God into, as so as we are inviting God into our lives and stepping into the identity that He's called us to, free saints, I want to close by just giving us an encouragement and thankfulness. And, and I'm not gonna lie; I kind of wish I had time for three points in my talk, but I just had so many illustrations and good things that I'm just gonna hit this one a little bit. So. You know, as we talked about earlier, right, we're all, we all fail at being thankful. Um, Sheely talked about this last week, right? We are all big complainers. We all complain a lot. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to bear his fruit in us, including gratitude. And um, as we trust him to empower us in this way, to rejoice always and pray continually, he, he also wants to empower us to, to be thankful, to look around um, at the things around you, even when you run into hard circumstances, even when I fail to come up with a good illustration and still be thankful that God has given me breath, given me life, given me a wife, an apartment, the opportunity to be up here and share his good word. And so um, I just want to share a little word about gratitude that has been really working on my heart this week, and it's from a, a little book that my wife and I've been reading called Humility, um, and it's from a guy named Gavin Orland, and I just hope that this encourages your heart to um, as we wrap up tonight. So yeah, Gavin Orland, on his, in his book on humility, he says this, Imagine getting to have dinner with your 10 favorite celebrities. You're all sitting around a large dining room table, and you get to listen to the conversation, ask them questions, get to know their personalities and backgrounds. Think of the sense of privilege you would have at the opportunity. You might think, who am I that I get to be here and talk to all these people? This is what humility, and, and I would argue gratitude, right, can do for us in every circumstance. Why should celebrities be the only people we are privileged to be around? Every person you interact with is an image bearer of God. Every room you enter is an amazing corner of this world that God has made. And every blade of grass and tree leaf you see is a miracle of God's design. There is nothing not to be astonished at, if you really think about it. So I just want to encourage us all to be astonished at life around us, to be grateful in every circumstance as we delight in God's blessings and supremely enjoy him and his satisfying presence just as we will forever. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross, let's invite God into all of our lives. Invite Him into our thoughts, praying continually. Invite Him into our emotions, finding hope and a reason to rejoice no matter what. And inviting Him into our hearts, where we express our eternal gratitude to Him for what He has done. And let's entrust ourselves to the Holy Spirit who lives with us to empower us to do what God desires so that we don't have to shit on ourselves, so that he can empower us to do God's will, reminding us of who we are, where our true home is, and how to live for eternal rewards. And friends, I want to encourage you to not be shy with these things. When you see a brother or sister going back to their old address and thinking that their sin still defines them, gently redirect them. Remind them of who they are in Christ, justified and made new just as if they've never sinned. And when you see a brother or sister living for earthly joys that don't go on for a lifetime, when you see your friends getting all caught up in this black part, maybe saving, 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 so they can just enjoy this little part right here, gently redirect them and remind them of all that's coming, how sweet it is to get to know their heavenly father, who they're going to know in a husband relationship for eternity. And when you see a friend living without God at all, Share the good news with them that they can freely receive what Christ has accomplished on the cross and step into a rewarding, eternal relationship with God today. And so as a final encouragement, I just want to read a Paul I, I want to read a prayer of Paul's from earlier in this letter to the Thessalonians. He says, "May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May He strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father, when our Lord Jesus Christ comes with all His holy ones." Although we fail to live out and love what God has called us to, God has made a way for us to be sanctified through the Holy Spirit because of Jesus' finished work on the cross for the glory of God and our ultimate joy and satisfaction. May you learn to enjoy him here and now. Let's pray. Sweet God, I, I thank you so much that even though we fail to do what you desire, God, that you have made a way for us to not just do what you desire here and now because of what you've accomplished on the cross, but God, that you have made a way for us to enjoy you, to be with you, to prepare to know you forever. God, I just pray that maybe one or two of the things i shared tonight, God, would stick in the heart of each person here, Lord, that they would maybe think about the rope, God. Would you remind them to live, to get to know you, who they will enjoy forever, Lord? Would you impress on our heart your truths? Spirit, will you empower us to do what you desire? And in your grace, God, would we fall more in love with you? In the name we pray. Amen.